0: This is Wahid Jensen and you are listening to Away Beyond the Rainbow. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to our fourth episode of Away Beyond the Rainbow, this podcast series dedicated to Muslims struggling with same sex attractions who want to live a life true to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Islam. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Uh, my co host Adam and I have been assembling a lot of the questions that you have been sending us and a lot of the comments that we have received through email and through social media. And today as we mentioned in last week's episode is going to be a Q&A session. We are going to read some of your questions and comments and answer them uh, together inshallah. Joining me today is my dear friend Adam once again. Assalamu alaikum Adam. Assalamualaikum. How are you this week? Alhamdulillah, I'm very fine. How are you? No, I'm very fine? No, Alhamdulillah. <laughs> I'm very fine. It's <laughs> not true. I know, right? Oh my God! No, I'm very well. How are you? Oh dear Lord! No, okay. So, how have you been doing this week?
1: Uh, I've been good. Alhamdulillah, I've been well. Been busy with work. There's been a couple of changes in my. Uh, life in terms of work and career um so it's all good Alhamdulillah it's all really good but it's just been a bit of like sort of readjustment and um, you know all mm-hmm. that type of stuff so but Great. yeah all,
0: for, the, for the most part Alhamdulillah really good Alhamdulillah congratulations and um, may Allah give you a lot of tawfiq inshallah, in all that you do so basically, this episode, again, as we said, it's going to be a Q&A session. Uh, we have assembled all of these uh, comments and questions through email and through messages. And there are a lot of co- um, comments that have been uh, written on social media and through discussion threads and internet forums. So we also assembled those. I would just like to also say one extra thing, which is uh, you may or may not have heard this. Uh, but there has been an event uh, It took place last Saturday evening uh, called Balancing Our Faith with Civil Rights. And it took place in the East Plano Islamic Center, also known as EPIC, uh, which is in Plano, Texas, in the USA. Uh, it took place on February 15th, and it involved Sheikh Yasser Qadi, Imam Omar Suleiman, uh, Brother Mubin Vaid, Dr. Asma Tasneemuddin from the U.S., um as well as myself uh, and the event was advertised weeks ago uh, on social media and on online forums there has been quite uh, there has been quite a spectrum of reactions let me put it this way,
2: <laughs> so a lot of
0: people were um you know supportive of this event. Because it was about, you know, d- different speakers had different themes that they wanted to discuss. So, for example, Sheikh Yasser Qadi talked about the moral and the theological and the historical considerations when it comes to this matter. Um, Imam Omar talked about alliances and coalition building. Um, Mubin talked about um, how political engagement is a slippery slope. And he discussed the concept of gay identity and what that entails. And Dr. Asma, uh, who's a lawyer, she talked about civil rights and the law. Um, and I uh, was basically the person coming from the inside, so I was the insider voice in this event. And so there has been a lot of backlash. On I could just I went online and I saw a lot of backlash and a lot of negative commentary and a lot of people making the worst assumptions. Uh, when they read that Wahid Jensen is kind of an insider voice and he's going to provide the human component, quote-unquote. And so people looked up Wahid Jensen. They found, you know, the the earliest publication of mine when I used to use the term gay or homosexual. And they made the assumption that I am just going there and I am going to convince everyone to just blend in with the LGBT movement and accept, you know, LGBT Muslims and and um, I heard that Imam Omar and, and Sheikh Yasser have received a lot of hate and a lot of backlash because of this. And they were on the verge of being forced to cancel this event. But Alhamdulillah, it wasn't canceled. And mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah, Rabbala, I mean, it was a huge, huge success. Uh, it was a really great event. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a turnout of around a thousand people came there physically from so many different states not just from texas it wasn't live streamed because of you know the the negative publicity but inshallah um, some segments will be published soon and once they publish my part i will inshallah um, um, add a link to it in the podcast so that anyone interested would uh, listen to that and there was also A Q&A session at the end where uh, all of us were able to answer um, you know the questions from the audience Alhamdulillah, it, it it was an event with a lot of barakah and a lot of tawfiq from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillah, even Sheikh Yasir at the end said, like, imagine if we had cancelled this event because of all of the backlash that we had received. Imagine what we would have lost as a result. Um, yeah. So... And 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 ironically, like I went on some pages on Facebook who identify as you know ultra feminist, pro LGBT, you know Muslim progressives, and they were also shaming me for someone who's not embracing, um, you mm-hmm. know, of someone who's not accepting his sexuality and someone who has internalized homophobia and whatever. So you can see that there's a lot of fear and a lot of assumptions and a lot of misconceptions, mm-hmm. and and uh, yeah. So many preconceived notions and judgments on both sides.
1: Yeah. And you know what, okay. like, as as we go through this episode, the listeners will see that in the questions that have been asked uh, by some people, uh, the sort of misunderstandings, the mm-hmm. fear, the, you know, not knowing and then making up an idea of what they think and believe to be true. Right. So Inshallah, like, we'll, we'll do our utmost to address those things. But before we do that and before we get into the questions, I just wanna say on behalf of all people who have SSA, I wanna just say thank you so much to Heed on this platform for the fact that you went. Well, not physically went, but you were at this event in term you spoke at this event, you shared our voice, so to speak, you were you were our voice there and it took it takes guts and courage to do that and it's not easy. Uh, and I know that these comments have been quite, um, they can be quite, uh, you know, nasty and, and they can take an effect. But, um, you know, we know what we're doing. We know why we're doing this. We are, you know, calling to the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we want to help Muslims like us navigate mm-hmm. their way through this issue. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for being on, at that event and speaking on our behalf. And I'm sure like when the recordings come out and we hear what, you have, what you've said, it's going to be um, you know it's going to be on point, and the fact is that we had really big and um, high-profile uh, scholars, uh, well, in particular in the sort of west, um, at this event, advocating for the event, um, backing the event. So it's a, I think it's a milestone mo- moment for exactly. our community, mm-hmm. and something that was so long overdue. And I just hope that it starts uh, the discussion at. A deeper level, so we can get beyond the misconceptions. We can get beyond the fear. We can get beyond all of that, and we can start getting into the real stuff, which is how do we help people mm-hmm. who have SSA live a life that is fulfilling, that's true to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, one in which they are pleased, and also their Lord is pleased with them, mm-hmm. one in which they're fulfilled and they're living out, you know, their their best life.
0: So quote unquote, right? So to speak. So, Inshallah. Inshallah. Yeah, so
1: yes, thank you so much.
0: Uh, no need to thank me. I mean, the 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 honor is all mine. Honestly, I am I'm very grateful and honored to have been part of this event. And I, as you said, it's um it's a milestone, and it's a monumental event in terms of um, bringing an insider voice, and actually paving the way forward in a way that is God conscious, because mm-hmm. we know that that is very difficult um that is a very difficult topic very sensitive kind of forbidden territory nowadays right
1: Absolutely. um
0: and you know it's I, I felt subhanallah i was brought to tears at so many points during this event but mm-hmm. when it when it alhamdulillah when it came to an end it just it, it it i i felt like an overwhelming sense of of happiness and tranquility and also gratitude and and humility and i i i Profusely thanks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for allowing me to speak on behalf of thousands and thousands of Muslims who struggle with same-sex attractions. Because I know Mm. that the struggle is not easy and we are misunderstood from every conceivable angle. And um, yeah, so this is the least that I could do. And I hope that I did the cause justice, inshallah. And inshallah, this event will pave the way for more events to come in the future um, where we tackle this issue from a righteous and a God-conscious perspective, inshallah. Inshallah. Um, So just as a reminder, um, given everything that we have spoken about so far, one verse that popped into my head whenever I read all of these comments and I saw the level of fear and the level of anger that a lot of Muslims particularly um, exhibited was, it's this ayah from Surat An-Nahl, verse 125, when Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala says, "'Invite to the way of your Lord with wisdom and good instruction, and argue with them in a way that is best.'" So when we disagree with people, or when we feel that we are brought into a discussion that we don't want to have, or that is, is, is filled with a lot of misconceptions and a lot of negative energy and a lot of anger and a lot of hatred, the answer is not hatred, and the answer is not to fuel it with more negativity, like anger and hatred and misjudgment. No. Allah says, invite to the way of your Lord with what? With wisdom and good instruction. And
1: Mm -hmm. when we
0: argue with people, we give arguments in a way that is best. We argue in a way that is best. So let's always try as much as we can to keep this in mind because this is an order uh, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the least we could do because this is the Islamic way, inshallah. Alright, so, bismillah ar let's start with the questions that we have received. Right. Um, okay, one question that we have received goes as follows. Could you please explain why you didn't say that SSA, or same-sex attractions, uh, aren't a choice for some people, but it clearly is and has to be for others? Also, and more importantly, why did you in absolute terms reject the idea that SSA can be a spiritual disease? So this is in reference to episode one, the very first episode, when I was saying that um, same-sex attractions are not a choice, it's never a choice. And when I said, you know, some people say it's a spiritual ailment, and I kind of said that it's actually not. So, So... Regarding the first part of the question, which is on SSA being a choice, I was referring to people like us, like you and me and the thousands and thousands of Muslims who struggled with this from early childhood or pre-pubescent years or even around puberty sometimes. um, We realized that we had these attractions and we did nothing to bring them on, right?
2: Mm -hmm. Technically, Mm -hmm.
0: we're talking about the attractions and not the encounters or acting out. That's the difference. So any behaviors, as in, for example the mannerisms that we can control or any actions as in the sexual relations, all of these are within our control and we will be held accountable for them. Right. But Mm -hmm. any desires or attractions or inclinations that we have, that's different, right? Mm -hmm. They're not, I mean, they're not within our control. So for, for people with SSA who have found themselves with such attraction from the get go, it's certainly not a choice. This is what we are saying. So there are, of course, some people who don't have these attractions from the beginning. And due to so many reasons like experimentation or sexual openness or whatever, they choose that path. They themselves choose to go down that path of, again, Mm -hmm. behavior and sexually acting out. And of course, that exists. And that's clearly a choice. But we are not referring to those people. We are referring to people like... You and me, Adam, and and the hundreds and thousands of Muslims who find themselves in our shoes,
1: and like we spoke about in the previous episodes, uh, I shared a bit about my story, and I knew from a very young age that I felt uh, attracted to the same sex, and it in so you know at that, and I'm talking about like four or five years old, and that's really young. Mm-hmm. So to say that to me would actually be a little bit like basically saying that as a child at four or five I was responsible for making that choice Right. and you know whatever consequence that Mm. it has it has Mm -hmm. you know I I don't know what the person was getting at with the question but anyway the point is is that it wasn't a choice it was something that I discovered I learned about myself it was there and then had to deal with it as I've grown up so it's uh, definitely not a choice Mm -hmm. and the thing is, is we said this in the previous episodes as well that you know, if there, if it was a choice, we wouldn't really be having these discussions because we right. can deal with it so easily and so quickly. Exactly. Right. So we, we wouldn't need a podcast. We wouldn't need to have a coherent, uh, discourse, discussion, and discourse mm-hmm. exactly about this topic. We wouldn't be dealing with people who have mental health issues as a result of this. There wouldn't be an LGBT movement. Um, you know, it, it, these things just wouldn't exist if it was a choice.
0: But the point is, it's not. So, yeah, that's all I have to say on that. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. And and when it comes to the second part of the question, which is why did we in absolute terms reject the idea that SSA can be a spiritual disease? Again, um, when I refer to it as a spiritual ailment, the concept that... You know, when a lot of Muslims approach you and tell you, you should get back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, read more Quran, pray the gay away, as they say, mm-hmm. and you are falling short, muqassir, in the mm-hmm. eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, your spiritual acts are not good enough, etc, etc, etc. And this inadvertently becomes part of our internal narrative that we keep mm-hmm. on playing 24-7 in our minds, even without oh, right. anyone else saying that to us. Um, so saying that to someone who has been doing a whole lot of spiritual acts and crying their eyes out and their heart out on the prayer rug, during tahajjud for years. I know so many people who do that on a nightly basis. They Mm. pray tahajjud. They read Quran on a daily basis. They fast as much as they can. They pray the sunnahs and the nawafil and they are spiritually subhanallah. I mean, mashallah, but things don't change for them. Right. Okay. So, this is what I said in terms of people abusing the concept of spiritual disease that's mm-hmm. what that's that's what we're trying to say. you know su- such such narrative makes things worse because the same people who say this are just making accusations and they don't know anything about what the person is going through or what you know sometimes what the root causes of same sex attractions for that particular person. are in reality so just like saying for example depression and mental illness are spiritual ailments read more quran pray go to the masjid whatever and you'll be better so yeah i mean that's that's what i'm trying to say
1: yeah and I, i can relate to that um in my own experience because i used to do the same things in terms of thinking and believing that you know if i just prayed hard enough if i made Uh, you know, extra dua, if I did despair, if I did all of the extra things that a Muslim can possibly do, which you've mentioned, you know, fasting, the Hajj, all these things. If I did all of these things, then, you know, eventually those inclinations would just disappear. Mm -hmm. And that didn't work for me at all. And in fact, it actually made things worse because Mm -hmm. I then started to think and believe that either there's something wrong with me or there's something wrong with what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. that this is not having the effect that I believe it is supposed to have Mm -hmm. which then can leave you in a place where you are choosing between whether you continue being Muslim or you then try and seek out a remedy via another path Mm -hmm. and you know alhamdulillah I didn't didn't go down the other path Mm -hmm. Um, but holding on to Islam was difficult like honestly in my experience like having gone through the uh realization the acknowledgement the understanding mm-hmm. of the fact that I have SSA etc mm. that experience up until that has been very difficult and for every, people listening it's it's likely the same like there might be days where you feel like you are literally holding on to Islam by the bare, uh, your, your literally your teeth exactly like that's that's the only thing that's holding you on exactly and so when mm-hmm. when people say that you know your uh spiritual practices is somehow inadequate or the quality of it is not there and therefore that's why you still feel the way that you do mm-hmm. is a terrible mistake mm-hmm. like it can have really bad consequences mm-hmm. um so yeah i just wanted to share that because i'm sure that there's people listening who have who are going through it and uh, mm-hmm. it's it's painful it's hard
0: indeed indeed it may allah make things better and easier inshallah um, Moving on to the next question, Um, this is a quote from someone. His orientation, and by his is referring to me, his orientation seems to be towards making Muslims more accepting of male homosexuals, end quote. In the West, is there anyone who still doesn't know this? Doesn't this amount to special pleading? So, okay, to clarify things, no, that's not my orientation. I'm not here to make (laughs) anyone more accepting of Muslim homosexuals, as in... Uh, homosexual behavior, no um, The the example that I gave in episode 1 With regards to, um, you know uh, The parents of someone finding out about him And, and then being surprised that Muslims who have same-sex attractions exist Who struggle for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And who try to abide by Islam and the word of Allah
2: mm-hmm. And
0: they were shocked to hear that Right. Yes, that's a real tr- that's a true story, and that's from a brother from Asia. Now, uh, yes, I realize that a lot of Western, co- in a lot of Western countries, you know this this um, you know we're bombarded with with the media twenty four seven, and it's highly highly unlikely that anyone doesn't know this. But believe it or not, you know, in other places, people are shocked to hear this. Whether it's right. because of denial or because you know lack of awareness i don't know what it is but that is that mm-hmm. is the reality of it and does this amount to special pleading no it doesn't uh it doesn't amount to any special pleading of any kind because i'm not asking people to accept us as an identity category but right. rather to accept the fact that such a struggle exists to begin with and that many muslims struggle with this and it's a legitimate struggle in this life and to actually educate people about this this is mm. what we are all trying to do that's what this podcast is about
1: and i just want to go back to the point um that you were making about the the brother and historian they've from asia mm. and how that obviously like it's it's particularly where we are in countries where they are more conservative it's maybe more likely that they don't you know understand these things but i would argue that this is not necessarily it doesn't mean that the west is immune from this because um i mean i know of people muslims who live in the west and i I know what their views are of of this topic and i know how they understand and think about this so it's not exclusive to you know all the west over we already know this Mm -hmm. and no one else like we don't need to be told again right and it's not it's more than just like when we talk about it being more accepting, there's, there's an entire holistic thing. We're not asking for special treatment, number one, mm-hmm. um, or special pleading. SSA is not a fundamental part of our identity. Mm-hmm. We, the reason why we've done this podcast and all the different initiatives is because we identify as being Muslim first and foremost, who are having this experience. And we're trying to educate the community on this topic, tell them that we exist uh what our specific struggles are address the misconceptions the judgments the preconceived notions that are causing harm exactly in the community and then also offering our own uh you know advice for people about what helps based on our research based on our experience based on uh, all of the conversations discussions that we have so mm-hmm. this is yeah this is this is how i would address this with the person whoever it was that asked this question Mm -hmm. um so i hope that answers it
0: all right um let's move to the third question that we have which is Uh, And they're quoting me again. It's not uh, about just desires, but something much deeper, end quote. This is very close to the language and paradigm adopted by gay activists. Uh, There is a need to uncover the lie that homosexuality is more than just sexual behavior and a particular type of desire. This is not a question, but rather a statement from someone online. So, okay, so let me just say this. When I said it's not just about desires, but something much deeper. Yes, it is much deeper. And the second quote, which is to uncover the lie that homosexuality is more than just sexual behavior and a particular (laughs) type of desire. That's not a lie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) See, this is what we mean, guys, about this misunderstanding and this fear and the preconceived notions and all of that. This is what we mean by these questions, like it's really kind of throwing this up and and shedding light on this and there's a part of me i'm being honest like it's difficult to read these questions and then respond to them yeah but but we have we, to do this right you have to do it you have to do it. We have to, <laughs> it we have to maybe show another way of dealing with these types of um mm-hmm. difficult topics mm-hmm. so you know wahid i'm to let you just you know i respond to this and then i'll chip in <laughs> very diplomatically <laughs> so, yes
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean the idea is okay If we want to understand this, and I know that a lot of people maybe don't know this, but there are deep-seated emotional needs, as well as matters that are relevant to belonging, to attachment, to shame, to healing, to a sense of personal worth, to amongst so, so many other matters. And these are very deep topics. Again, I won't be able to answer this particular question in full and Mm -hmm. to give it its full right, in this episode because these are huge topics and we will inshallah get to them from episode 7 until episode 12 there is a huge series that talks about the psychology of same-sex attractions and the possible root causes and how all of these you know themes are intertwined and interrelated SSA that the attractions per se the desires the inclinations these are only the tip of the iceberg now i can understand if this if this statement or if this question is coming from someone who, who does not have any, you know, same-sex attractions whatsoever and they're just making assumptions. But some people who themselves have same-sex attractions are also saying that, you know, we need to uncover this lie that homosexuality is more than just sexual behavior. Uh, or, uh, you know, it's 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 not just about desires but something much deeper. Mm-hmm. It is much deeper than this. Even, even when we... Say all of these facets, the, you know, the deep seated emotional needs and the belonging and attachment and shame and all of these deep concepts. Again, this is not meant to crystallize them into a, an identity of sorts, mm-hmm. but it's meant to show that there are deeper issues that individuals with same sex attractions struggle with.
2: Right. All
0: right. Again, we will discuss this in in so much detail down the line, but let's just keep this in mind for now, inshallah.
1: Yeah, and I think it's also easier just to believe that it is just, you know, it, it's just any, it's just about the sex. It's just it's just the sexual aspect. For people who obviously aren't, don't experience it, it's, it's easier for them to believe that about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe because it's convenient to their worldview, their experience, etc. And it also kind of absolves people of the responsibility to address it. Right, right. right. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. as a community, it's almost like a cop-out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we don't generally have a tr- good track record when it comes to dealing with uh, issues of this type. So whether it's SSA or whether it is some other issue within the community that we need to deal with, you know, we've, we have a pattern within the community that we just ignore, 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 and then until mm-hmm. it, becomes, it goes to boiling point, exactly. and then, you know, we are where we are. Right. And so it's, yeah. you know, there, it's easy to do that. Mm-hmm. I would say the emotional needs, I don't. Again, I, Waheed, as you said, this is going to be discussed in later episodes, which I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to being educated, and I'm sure the audience are as well. Um, but what I would just say on this is that in my reading, in my experience, uh, I know that it's it's not just about the sexual attraction. There are so there are fundamental um, emotional needs, as you've said, Waheed, that need to be addressed there is a whole bunch of different issues and layers to this mm-hmm. and you know i hope that whoever's asked this question i hope they're tuning in hope they're listening and inshallah when those episodes do um you know come out we can help them understand that and hopefully you know if, you, if 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 and i'm addressing the people who have ssa here um if you are in a place where you just you're you're struggling and you kind of don't understand what's going on with you and you've struggled for years and you can't find answers that are satisfying that give you some sense of hope. What I will say is that when you start to learn about these deeper topics and issues, that will, like, it will show you this entire other dimension mm-hmm. to SSA that you just did not know existed. And the LGBT uh, plus lobby do everything they possibly can to squash that that, that voice um, and, and really just say, well, you know, we are as we are and we're going to do what we're going to do. And if you feel this way, then it's fine. Just embrace it. Mm-hmm. But there, there's so much more to it. Of so. Yeah, that's all I wanted to say. But you know, I'm I'm looking forward to the the future episodes on this topic because I know I've got a lot to learn on it, um, as well as I'm sure the the listeners.
0: Inshallah. And it's actually a, a journey and it's a learning experience, and it's not an easy thing to actually unravel all of these issues and try to dissect them and to learn Absolutely, where yeah. they emerged from and how to handle them. It's a lifelong process. But anyway, it's a long discussion. And we'll have that later, Inshallah.
1: Inshallah. So I think the next question is to do with the conference, um, the one that you attended, Mm -hmm. so uh, it's for you again. (laughs) Um, So the question is, why do we need to have special understanding for individuals with SSA? Uh, And then um, when we don't do this with other things people struggle with, are there real differences here or does our granting specific attention to this issue simply play into the larger discourse by marking SSA Mm -hmm offer something special and Muslims with SSA as needing support and empathy in a special way, not being requested for other groups or people.
0: Okay, so so this is with regards to, you know, having a conference or an insider voice calling in, and why do we need to have that kind of special understanding with people who struggle with SSA as opposed to other struggles out there. Now, what I always say is that having an insider voice is crucial and it's only fair. We cannot expect to, di- to discuss a specific topic about an individual or a group of people without involving those people in the narrative, right? Mm. That's the least we could do. So, and, and we can't expect a proper discussion on this topic by people who don't deal with this issue and only imagine how it could feel like when you have individuals who deal with this 24/7 and who are on the same mission as you which is to abide mm. by the teachings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the teachings of mm. Islam right so mm-hmm. that's only fair and and there's no problem with that on the contrary it actually adds depth to it and it actually makes it uh, it, it actually does justice to the topic itself now why should we grant it specific attention there are other issues out there in our community yes of course it is a struggle Just as there are so many other struggles out there, but this Mm -hmm. particular struggle of same-sex attractions happens to have a unique set of characteristics that makes it worthy of attention and proper studying. There are, you know, I can name a couple. There are issues with identity first and foremost, and this is a whole discussion on its own. And inshallah, we'll get to that in the next episode, in episode five. The topic itself of SSA is met with a lot of disgust and shame and anger just by bringing up the attractions part of it and not the actions. If Mm -hmm. someone who's struggling with SSA brings up this topic of attractions and not just actions, when they try and seek help, this is what they, they face. Shame and anger and negativity. So people don't know what to do, where to go. So, and in addition to that, there's no centralized Islamic approach to helping individuals deal with this righteously. All we know is you're not blamed for your attractions or inclinations. You're only blameworthy when you act upon them. Okay, so how do I move forward? How do I deal with this? We don't know right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and in addition to all of this, there is now a global movement that is normalizing this identity and the behavior, which are clearly against Islam. And this movement's messages are very captivating for individuals struggling who have only been met with animosity and hatred from their own communities for things that they didn't choose to begin with, or things that they didn't even do. And these are just Mm. a few points among so many others out there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I co-sign on everything you just said. <laughs> um, what I would say, there's something this person said, which was, uh, you know, why are we giving this group of people any special attention as other people who are going through struggles, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. I would say, right, I know of examples within my community where we do give other groups special attention. So I know one where um, Muslim parents who have lost children, children have passed away. Uh, there's an organization that's set up for, to help them go through and deal with the grieving process. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also know of an organization which is set up for the purpose of helping families and couples resolve disputes and familial marital, marital breakdown. So, you know, we do do this and, you know, you might just not be aware of it, but we absolutely do. And every situation has its uniqueness and it has nuance. And it's only fair that we address the nuance because... Um, we risk actually doing more harm if we don't. Exactly. Uh, and I, 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 absolutely acknowledge that there's overlap between, um, you know, people who are going through struggles. There undoubtedly will be. Of course. Like people who go through SSA. I've experienced depression, anxiety. People who have perhaps lost a child may also experience depression. Um, you know, just thinking about how that might be for someone. Obviously, I can't imagine that, but. It's, it's, you know, just logically thinking that there would be that overlap, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't take away from each of those situations. And this is how we should be dealing with it. Like we do this. And so we've seen Muslims do this. We also see this just within the wider society. You see people you see within psychology and psychiatry we have specialisms, not every mental health care professional is equipped to deal with every single mental health issue Mm -hmm. just like gps are not equipped to diagnose every type of illness we have specialisms for that so Mm -hmm. um yeah i just wanted to point that out because it's it's uh, it's only fair that we give a uh you know a a, a, we're fair in our understanding of how you know we as a community address this but also just as how human beings address issues that we face that are, you know, shared amongst all of us. Absolutely. So, yeah, Yeah. I hope that answers the question. question. Yeah.
0: Inshallah. Moving on to the next question, how about you take this one, Adam? What does it mean to ask the community specifically to be more open towards or welcoming of Muslims with same-sex attractions?
1: Okay, so... Um, now I can answer this from my own perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So as a Muslim who has SSA, what would I, lo- what would I like to expect from other Muslims that uh, I was to confide in um, about my experience, about my struggle? What would I expect from them, or what would I, in an ideal world, like them to offer or react, or you know, all that that type of thing? Mm-hmm. I think I can speak for all of us when I say that we would like that the person that we were confiding in. wasn't judgmental Mm -hmm. that they listened that they asked meaningful questions because i don't think we're adverse to answering questions of course not uh asking meaningful respectful questions um was caring was loving was uh reassuring was um eager or interested to help and support us right um and was able to I don't know, just recognize that it's a difficult topic for someone to open up about mm-hmm. um, based on their own understanding. Like, I mean, Muslim, we are all aware of our internal culture mm-hmm. within, you know, b- b- what being Muslim means. We understand mm-hmm. how to behave in certain environments and places, etc. So we'd, I'd like that if I was to open up to someone about this topic, that they were, uh, you know, they were there, they were supportive, they were not judging me. They were, um, you know, actually on the contrary, trying to help and trying their best to do that. So I'm not I'm not saying that I would expect them to solve my issues and have answers to all the questions that I have. It really just is be there with me in my experience. Don't judge me and offer me just, you know, acceptance, love, compassion, everything that we've been talking about in the last two episodes. Exactly. Just, you know, try and be that. And you know what, that might be difficult for people and I, I, I get that, right, because what I've just said, it might be really hard and tough for some people to manifest and that's fine. But I guess it's on upon me as the person who is confiding in someone to recognize someone's capacity to deal with that information. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm not going to go out my way and tell someone who I know doesn't have the emotional maturity to deal with it. That would just be me shooting myself in the foot makes no sense yeah i'm gonna to go to people who i know can handle it who have you know a sound mind who are uh loving people who mm-hmm. i know to be caring who i know that they're they won't judge me etc yeah. et et trustworthy
0: and also grounded
1: like, grounded in the deen because a lot of us want to yes. stay true to allah and islam right exactly exactly so i wouldn't like i wouldn't go about telling people in my workplace majority majority of whom are non-muslim because They wouldn't get it, like, from my perspective. They would just be like, well, why don't you just not come out of the closet and just live your life as you, you know, as a gay person? Mm -hmm. So I am going (laughs) to, I'd only do this with people that are trustworthy. And Brene Brown actually talks about this, about vulnerability and how we aren't supposed to be vulnerable with just anyone and everyone. In fact, that's not what the point of vulnerability is. It's about identifying people who have earned that right Mm -hmm. to share that experience with you, because Mm -hmm. not everybody does. Right. So that was, that's how, that is my perspective from a personal level. I
0: don't know if you have anything to add to that, Wahid. I would just basically say the same thing that you said from a personal perspective. But I also believe that, you know, um, part of this question comes from anxiety as a community. Um, You know, there is this fear that, okay, what demands are you trying to make of us as a community? Uh, Like, do you want the mosques to change now and to hang up signs and whatever for this issue (laughs) alone? Um, And we're saying we're not saying that, of course, we are not asking for any changes in the Muslim spaces. And we're not encouraging anyone to be open about their SSA in a sense of, you know, supporting this as a fact about them that everyone has to know about no that yeah. that's not what we're saying actually that makes it even closer to the gay identity and this is something right. that we're not trying to do right it defeats the whole purpose mm. just mm-hmm. under a different name completely but mm-hmm. that's not the whole thing we're trying to do
1: yeah and i guess what we're asking for like i said before we're just asking for people to listen to learn about the struggle you know it, where it comes from and how to deal with it in a in a righteous way Okay, so the next question. What does empathy mean here? And how does the right kind of empathy differ from quote unquote empathy as used by the LGBT movement as a wedge to force normalization? Again, the question of what are true mercy and empathy? Are we playing the quote unquote victim card?
0: Okay, so I have been attacked um, because I have used the terms empathy and compassion and understanding and love in the first episode. Mm -hmm. Well, we both have, to be fair, throughout the last two. Yeah, but particularly after the first episode when it was published. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so so because, and, and I didn't even expect that level of animosity towards these terms some people have assumed that i was calling for people to embrace the so-called lgbt muslims quote unquote no matter what even accepting same-sex behaviors Mm. Um, and that this is loaded terminology that is used by the lgbt movement and they're calling for empathy and acceptance and compassion and whatnot and that's not what i meant at all Um, and i've actually addressed this in my uh, segment at the conference And I will also address this again in episode 5 when we talk about the gay identity and and, uh, its repercussions and, uh, you know, that identity as a loaded terminology. Mm -hmm. But for now, let me just say this. Let us reclaim those terms. Because isn't this what Islam is about? Islam is about mercy and love and compassion, right? Mm -hmm. Islam is about all of this while at the same time being firm with regards to the truth. Truth with a capital T. True mercy and compassion are not separate from the truth. Allah is the source of true love and mercy and compassion. These attributes cannot be discussed without Allah. These qualities, we cannot discuss them without the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, without Allah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Being merciful and compassionate means standing up for what is right and upholding Islamic principles and values. And to add to that, our happiness and peace and serenity in this life and everything that we strive for, in this life and the next, they are by holding on to the robe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I'm sure that you, Adam, attest to this and I uh, testify to this. Had it not been for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His love and being connected to Him, And to his mercy and forgiveness particularly during the darkest periods of our lives we would have lost the path a long time ago right oh yes Mm -hmm. muslims god knows muslims haven't made it easy at all no and the other side hasn't made it easy either yep and we know that this is a very difficult trial particularly in this time and age it is a trial that brings us to our knees in complete pain and weakness and brokenness And we know for a fact, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows first and foremost, that if we choose Him over and above everything and everyone else, this is a true act of courage and strength.
1: Yeah, that's such a beautiful response to that question. Um, Thank you. I don't have anything to add to it per se, um, but what I would say to this person is to maybe uh, understand what we mean by empathy because in my understanding of empathy, in my study and time that I've spent looking into empathy, it's for me standing inside of the experience of another person with them as much as you possibly can. Right. So people oftentimes you oftentimes use the term stand in the person's shoes. Mm-hmm. And it's true It's to stand in that person's experience. So if someone comes to you and confides, you know, I have, you know, I lost my mother, for example. Right. You know, I've just had a death in my family as a friend, as a loved one, you want to be there for that person um, and you want to share their experience as much as possible. The, you know, the best of the experiences they have and also the worst and the most difficult times and that's what we are calling for. We're not calling for anything else and um, we're calling for Muslims to help fellow Muslims remain steadfast upon Islam as per the orthodox understanding of Islam uh, and by standing with us as we struggle with SSA. So we have no desire publicize our personal struggles in order to get sympathy or start a revolution or of course, overhaul yeah. of how our dean is at the moment it's actually quite the opposite and as you know brother he said we need to reclaim our understanding of these terms because the very fact that somebody would associate these terms with the lgbt plus movement is mm-hmm. evidence of their success and our lack of yes. so these are not supposed to be terms that should be associated with one group or the other. They're universal concepts mm-hmm. and we choose how to apply them based on mm-hmm. our understanding of the world, our purpose in it, whether we believe we have one or we don't, whether we believe in our God or we don't, we get to choose how that manifests. And unfortunately, people who happen to be, uh, you know, part of the LGBT plus movement have been doing a better job than Muslims at being and showing empathy and showing compassion and acceptance and that's not me saying that we need to model everything that they do and become them. Absolutely not. What we do need to do is we need to pave our own path, hence away way beyond the rainbow. <laughs>
0: exactly. Beautifully right? said. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Okay, another statement was as follows all compassion in that sense must be balanced and rational compassion can cross over into becoming affirmative of sin which would be wrong Mm -hmm. i also think and this person is saying i also think that we need to free ourselves of this impression that people with ssa are somehow a special category of those who may sin and are therefore in need of more compassion than those who drink eat non-halal or who sleep around etc I think compassion in this matter is wrought with potential pitfalls, which could inadvertently contribute to solidifying a type of gay identity among Muslims. So how would we respond to this? That's a
1: very specific question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> more of a statement. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's more of a statement. Um, um, I, I think we, we don't need to respond to this uh, because Brother Yusuf, for those of you who aren't aware, Brother Yusuf is the moderator of the Street Struggle uh, group. Um, he did a great job of responding to this, and we we're literally just going to read out his response. And so he says, that's fair, of course, but in the special case of Muslims with SSA, is that they have nowhere to turn to between a community that views the topic as too taboo to talk about, and a world that is encouraging them to live out a life in accordance with the attractions. In that case, it's very much a special case you know, special case, and not mm-hmm. like the categories mentioned. Mm-hmm. Also, none of the examples mentioned, i.e. drinking, eating, non-halal or sleeping around, is being pushed as an identity. And so the youth dealing with same-sex attractions have had years of conditioning as part of their identity that they must be quote-unquote true to. Mm-hmm. As a result, many have suffered through depression and severe mental anguish. If we do not make the effort to address these brothers and sisters with compassion and understanding, we will lose them altogether. I have spoken to brothers who have attempted suicide not because of them committing a sin, but because they were overwhelmed with the feelings of SSA and they did not know how to cope with it. When was the last time the Suicide Prevention Hotline received a call from someone because they were eating pork, for example? Mm-hmm. And beautiful
0: it's, answer. It's a beautiful answer, yep. It is, yes. God bless you, Yusuf, if you're listening to us. Jazakallah <laughs> khair. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> okay, so the next question we have um, is as by asking for compassion for a person experiencing SSA, Aren't we actually asking others to affirm people who have SSA as a distinct type of group or uh, sorry, a distinct type or group of people? In that sense, we w- wouldn't we be then affirming a kind of gay identity which imprisons people to think that they are a particular type of human being by virtue of the type of sexual desires that befall them? In that case, compassion would actually be counterproductive to what should be the best for believers. We need to put the dismantlement of gay identity at the forefront of this challenge, because as long as people think themselves to be gay, they will give rise to a gay consciousness within themselves, which will always be a hindrance to their spiritual development.
0: Okay, quite, um, you know, quite a loaded question and statement. Mm -hmm. So, yes, we definitely do agree with a part about gay identity um, in terms of trying to to, dissected and tried to understand its repercussions Mm -hmm. Um, and we will discuss this inshallah as i mentioned in the next episode episode five that's dedicated to this huge topic now Yusuf mentioned something nice uh, in response to this he said the compassion part comes from acknowledging what they are going through And the understanding part comes from knowing that it is difficult, given the context of the world that we live in. By no means does that need to be that I affirm this as an identity. Now, we understand that there is a fear that compassion and empathy could inadvertently reinforce an identity based on a certain type of desire. But here's where it is important to deconstruct the notions of gay identity, which we will do, inshallah, and to raise awareness and to educate people. While at the same time, we offer proper help to people who are struggling, who have nowhere to turn to. This is what we are trying to do here. And we also, there is a very nice answer by uh, another brother, Brother Ahmed online, who commented and he said the following, it depends how SSA is used, quote unquote. If someone wears it as a public label in the community, then it may become another term for gay even though the idea behind it is to renounce the gay identity. But if, however, it is used just to name the condition of having same-sex attractions and is used clinically or privately by Muslims seeking help or counselling for dealing with same-sex attractions, then why would it be problematic? We do use names for other conditions like alcoholism or whatever, for example, and and of course, no one would mistake that for an identity. It's trickier with SSA because the gay identity is currently so firmly entrenched in Western and increasingly global culture. We agree that recognizing the constructed nature of that identity and the need to dismantle it and reject it wholesale as a community is vital. People who push for LGBT normalization know that formula very well. Normalize the identity first, and everything else automatically flows by logical necessity
1: yeah i agree and i just want to add to that that we are not calling for ssa to be openly recognized discussed acknowledged through events posters and signs uh, we've said already said this before yeah. um but um, the idea is that people would have awareness of the issue so that they can deal with it in the right way mm-hmm. the whole reason why we're using pseudonyms in the first place is because we're not public about this in our daily life mm-hmm. uh waheed and i we don't go around you know telling people we have SSA, it's not what we do. (laughs) We don't wear it on our sleeves. It's not the identity with which we go out and meet the world. And we're not calling for it to become one, but it is a real issue. Uh, Mm -hmm. And there are very real challenges that people with SSA face that need to be dealt with maturely, like we do hopefully with other issues. Um, Also the acronym is not the same thing as being gay. Gay is an identity with loaded connotations that intersect many aspects of human life and are seen as essential to one's sense of self. Um, and this is something, I think, Raheem, oh, you've said we'll be, mentioned, we'll be discussing in the next uh, episode five. Inshallah. yes. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, this is something, and I think this has come up a couple of times throughout the questions. We've kind of touched on this whole gay identity thing. So I think for people asking the question, and if you're listening and you really are curious, I'd encourage you to listen to episode uh, five to really get under the skin of this. And so you understand how this is separated from what from ssa and also then hopefully have a better appreciation for why we choose to use ssa as opposed to gay or homosexual exactly. um, uh, and ssa is merely an acronym of what one experiences um so same-sex attractions this is an alternative discourse established by religious communities like us to free people from pe- sorry, to free people from experiencing ssa um, from internalizing gay and lesbian identities, which are problematic in many ways. And again, I reference episode five, which is to come, inshallah. Inshallah. Uh, uh, to learn Friday. more about this. Yep.
0: Yep. Inshallah. <laughs> Another question that was directed to me was, why hasn't the original article that I had written been revised to reflect the new understandings that I have gained over the past few years? Is the article misleading in any way in light of everything I have learned over the past four years since writing it? Um, I have added a caveat to the beginning of the article on my blog saying I don't identify with a loaded terminology like gay identity or homosexual. Now if are there any new understandings that i have gained of course now if i were to rewrite the whole article i would change so many things about that so let me tell you what are those what those new understandings are first and foremost obviously the whole notion of gay identity and homosexual i would not use the terms gay or homosexual as nouns to describe myself i would use the term homosexual as an adjective to describe my inclinations or attractions and there's nothing wrong with that saying i have homosexual inclinations there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. But identifying as part of a gay identity or saying I am gay is problematic. And again, we'll talk about this in the next episode, inshallah. inshallah. The second point is, I because I had this wrong understanding before that the topics of any any kind of therapy that is used to address same-sex attractions is wrong and does people more harm than good, well, obviously some some aspects that have been used throughout history, some forms of torture and even quote-unquote therapy, which is not actually therapy, Mm -hmm. these have led to a lot of harms. But nowadays there are um, kinds of therapy, cognitive, behavioral, psychodynamic, what is referred to as reparative or reintegrative therapy has helped a lot of people. And we will talk about this in later episodes, inshallah. So this is another point that I would like Uh, People to understand, and the third one is the idea of of remaining celibate. Like I, I made it sound in my article, like SSA is a death sentence. (laughs) Uh, Like we are, we are doomed to live a life of celibacy. That it's not fair, but we endure it for the sake of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and all of that, which is not necessarily true. Again, I was speaking on my own behalf. I was speaking from my own experience. Um, But I get that a lot of people thought that I was speaking on behalf of everyone and that no one is ever going to get married. Anyone who struggles with this is never going to get married. That's not true. No, of course not. I mean, a lot of people have been able to get married and have kids and have wonderful family lives, whether their attractions have decreased or not, whether they were able to develop opposite sex attractions or not. But a lot of them were able to, to lead decent family lives and have kids and, and, and live with their wives or uh, husbands, you know, if they were women. Um, and that's a definitely a possibility. And some people have been committed to a life of cel- celibacy, so that's another uh, option available. <music> Now a question for you, Adam: Is the community being unfairly represented by the assumption that it is uniquely bad on this issue?
1: <laughs> uh, this is a good question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wonder what this. I wonder what this person thinks. You and um, I were laughing about this question, remember? <laughs>
1: yeah, we were. Um, so I would say it's a true phenomenon that is being ignored by the mainstream Muslim community. So uh, what I mean by phenomenon is is SSA. Um, what we see is that Jewish and Christian communities have their own support groups, uh, both mm-hmm. that are taking place person to person, and also those that are taking place online. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've done—I've only, sorry, I've only done a little bit of uh, my own research on this, and I've seen a couple of these um, support groups, which was reassuring for me to see. Yes. Um, but it was a little bit disappointing that it wasn't something that had been um, initiated by Muslims. Uh, (laughs) Um, and they also have their own books they have counsellors, they have therapists and if we look at the Muslim community um, you know You don't really see much. Um, (laughs) And the
0: disappointment comes, you know, when you were saying you were disappointed because uh, you were uh, hoping that they would be Muslim, because the first thing that we think about, you know, we would want our communities to have something that we can refer to, to have decent resources that we can attend to. Right. Well, unfortunately, that's not the case. But that's not to say that the Jewish or the Christian resources are, you know, are are, um, mediocre or average. On the contrary, they're amazing. And we will refer to them, inshallah, in later episodes.
1: Yeah, inshallah. And so um, it's quite the norm that when someone with SSA goes to seek help from, let's say, the imam, a teacher, a friend or a parent in, in our communities, uh, they um, are more often than not shunned and shamed. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you just look at what's happened when the event in Dallas was advertised. Exactly. Pretty, Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a pretty good demonstration of the fact that as a community, we we, can, we don't deal with this well at all Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of misunderstanding and preconceived notions and judgments that really need to be uh, addressed Mm -hmm. uh, and hopefully replaced with things that are more helpful for us so yes as a people who struggle with ssa um we do have reason to demand a more robust and informed response to this issue okay and the next question if you have this test in life you do have your work cut out for you but don't delude yourself in thinking others don't have different challenges in life which takes tolls on them as well again are we engaged in special pleading why or why not
0: Okay, first of all, let me just say this. When when we try to ask questions or we try to raise certain objections, we can try and be nice, right? No one is... I'm not deluding myself. No one here is deluding themselves by thinking that others don't have different challenges in life. No one is saying that. Yes, there are other struggles and hardships that people go through, whether they're connected to sex and sexuality or not. And these trials and hardships are very difficult. Everyone has their own trials in life. We're not pleading or we're not ingraining the idea that people with SSA face worse struggles in life than others. We're not saying that. But it is a tough trial nonetheless. Mm -hmm. And it comes with its own set of challenges nowadays that we've described before. So I guess we have pretty much summed this up, you know, during during this Q&A session. I believe we have addressed this question um, in our answers to previous questions as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think we've spoken on this quite a lot. And it seems to be a recurring theme, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. Like yes. People are like, why, why should we treat you any differently? I you know, know, are you trying to... Advocate for a, a a Muslim gay identity, etc. Mm. It's, it's mm. interesting that there's this pattern emerging of types of questions that are coming in. Mm. Hopefully, if, these people who have asked will listen to the podcast Inshallah. and you know, so. really hear what we're saying, because I think that having listened to the podcast, uh, all the episodes, and um, even having read your work, Wahid, uh, on your blog, I think you're very clear about where you stand on the issue um and it's i just hope that people either haven't read those things or heard those things and it's not a case of they're they're choosing not to take in information that's before them because of the you know the the uh foggy lens with which they're seeing the world um so yeah i just want to say that because yeah it's hard enough I okay. know. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard enough i know Yep. questions and having to clarify them over and over again but mm. you know we'll do it and we'll persevere because Amen. as we said at the beginning we have to uh give people advice Amen. with yes. you know uh, maturity and wisdom and that's what Allah wants from us so you exactly. know we'll we'll, we'll we'll try our best to embody that as much as possible
0: We move now to the topic of self-love and self-compassion that we have addressed in episodes two and three. And we have three questions on that. Mm -hmm. The first question is,
1: how do we make sure that proper self-love and self-compassion are not confused with narcissism, self-indulgence and vanity, etc.?
0: Great, and this is a huge question. This is a mm-hmm. beautiful question, and we were at kind of expecting this, right? Mm-hmm. So, to start with some reminders from episode two, in particular, we said that self—we um, said that self-compassion is the middle ground between self-indulgence on one hand and self-pity on the other. These are the two extremes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We're not talking about narcissism, self-indulgence, self-centeredness, what have you, but rather about maintaining a balance between these things on one hand which we as Muslims recognize as common diseases of the heart, that the deen has been sent to remedy. So that's on one hand. And on the other hand, excessive self-deprecation, self-loathing, self-hatred, constantly bashing oneself, which which is opposed to healthy muhasada and holding oneself accountable, right? So in other words, having a healthy self-regard, as some people would say. It is proper for a Muslim to have izzah, which is dignity and self-respect and proper self-regard. This Izzah manifests itself in not debasing oneself or allowing oneself to be to be debased, for example. And there is a definite difference between proper Izzah and arrogance or pride or vainglory on the other, which on the other hand, which are in Arabic takabbur, ujb, etc. But a lot of people who have SSA because of everything that they went through, not only don't have this Islamic ezza, but they go to the opposite of عزة, which is dhul, debasing oneself, and nafs in Arabic. This is the opposite extreme of kibir. And it is not what Allah and the deen are calling us to. Of course, we make تذلل to Allah wa Taala. In that sense, it is the proper attitude to have. But we are talking here not about being lowly and humble before Allah whom you worship, which is the right attitude to have and the right kind of dhul to cultivate, but rather about, again, this self-loathing and self-hatred and excessive self-deprecation. محاسبة nafs which is holding oneself accountable, is very vital. But كرهية nafs in Arabic, which means hating oneself, This is not what Islam teaches, right? Allah created us, and we should not hate what Allah has created, especially since he has said in Surah al Isra, verse number 70, And we have certainly honored the children of Adam, and carried them on the land and sea, and provided for them of the good things, and preferred them over much of what we have created, with definite preference.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just adding to that, um, Allah has breathed of his spirit into each and every human being. So the core of the human being is not something to be detested. Yes, Mm -hmm. we should hate our sins and bad actions, but precisely because we know that by disobeying Allah, we are compromising, besmirching and harming our own souls, our ruh, that very essence that Allah has breathed into us by which he has ennobled us and in virtue of which he has raised us up and called upon us to be his uh, Khalifa filard. Um, so, if you remember in episode two, we can think of it as treating yourself like you would treat someone you love who is going through a tough time. Exactly. To love yourself, yeah, to love yourself in a way that you remove that whip that you're using on yourself for self flagellation and you take care of the inflamed wounds in a gentle way. Something which I have been very guilty of. <laughs> Amen. I, Me and, too. Yeah. And I continue to be guilty of sometimes, but I'm working yeah. on it. Not mm-hmm. perfect. Exactly. It's a, a journey. Models. Yeah yeah, it's a it's a it's definitely a journey. So you know, just on a little tangent, if anyone listening is going through a tough time um and they are, you know they feel like that, they feel like they've not met their own expectations or they feel like they've failed someone or whatever it might be, take it easy. Yes. Um, I actually was listening back to episode three um earlier on today. Um, because um, I needed a reminder of some of those concepts that Wahid and I had talked about. So, you know, like, the reason why I say this is because sometimes even the people giving the advice sometimes need to take it themselves. Oh, yes. You know, so, um, and I know we're here talking about these things, uh, and in many ways we're just a mouthpiece. Mm -hmm. Not perfect. We're a work in Mm -hmm. progress. So, Mm -hmm. you know, please pray for us. I mean... (laughs) Um, and just continuing on uh, on the topic, Allah talks about different levels of nafs in the Qur'an, nafs al-amara, bil-su'a, and nafs al-lawama, and al-nafs al mutmainna My first language is not Arabic, as you can all tell, so I hope I didn't mess that up. That's uh, all right. You said <laughs> <started> perfectly. <laughs> um, but much of modern, narcissistic, egotistical, quote-unquote self-love culture, so all in a negative sense, cause us to indulge in our lower nafs, the nafs al Amarabil but this is not the nafs that we are saying we should cultivate, develop, and love when we talk about self-love. So I I remember speaking about this in episode number two at the mm-hmm. beginning of it when we talked about contrasting the extremes of self-love, uh, and you know on the other hand, uh, self-hatred almost. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so the, yeah, this we're, so we already touched on this, but just again to, as a reminder, uh, and we're aiming to work on ourselves constantly so that with the Tawfiq of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we can reach the state of nafs al-mutma'inna, that's the nafs which Allah addresses and invites into Jannah as per surah al-fajr, um, and he says, O assured soul, return to your Lord, well pleased and pleasing to him, and enter among my righteous servants, and enter my paradise, and I pray that we all hear this in the next life from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that we are all among the people of Jannah.
2: Amen. So this
1: nafs, this ruh that Allah has placed between our sides is at its core something very precious. Not something to be detested or despised, but something um, something to be loved and something to be cherished. Uh, And that's not an invitation to self-indulgence or to commit sins. Since as we said before, committing sins actually harms, defiles and compromises that very nafs. And the ruh on account of which Allah has ennobled and raised the ranks of us us being mankind amongst all of his creation.
0: Another question that we have is, in episode 2, you mentioned the unconditional love of Allah, while at the same time we know that He subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Quran that He does not love specific people. That's why He sent punishment on them. Can you elaborate on this? So. What we meant when we talked about uh, that, you know, the the unconditional love of Allah and that Allah is the all-merciful, the source of love, uh, the unbounded source of mercy and kindness and lutf and mawadda, etc. This is what we meant. He has breathed into each of us a precious ruh, a soul, a spirit, which never loses its core quality of having been breathed into us by him, subhanahu ta'ala. So for that reason, the ruh, which lies at our core, is always a candidate for Allah's love, right? Mm
1: -hmm. It doesn't
0: mean that Allah loves us no matter what we do, even if we are willful, ardent, and inveterate sinners. Of course, Allah does say in the Qur'an that Allah does not love, you know, X or Y group Mm -hmm. in specific uh, ayat. But that is not the context in which I was talking about divine love, right? In episode 2, uh, I listed some of the hadith, and I was talking about this this love in terms of our core, mm-hmm. Allah's regard for the ruh that He has breathed into us, and by which He has ennobled us as a species. Yeah. Yes, we can earn His wrath in various ways by disobeying Him, by being corrupt people, by spreading corruption, etc. But even then, the door of tawbah is always open, right? Mm-hmm. So, in in there are tons of verses and a hadith. That talk about, uh, you know, Allah calling us to, to come back to him after sinning, right, to make repentance. And so, for example, in Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 222, he says, Indeed, Allah loves those who are constantly repentant and loves those who purify themselves. And so many other verses and hadith that talk about this. So Allah is a tawab al-raheem, always ready to accept the tawbah of his servants and confer his love on them. The door of Tawbah is open unconditionally and so the means to Allah's good pleasure and love are present always and they're available unconditionally to anyone who wishes to avail himself of them. So that's what we mean by that.
1: Yeah, I just want to add something mm-hmm. that came to my mind as you were going through this. Uh, I remember uh, listening to one of the sheykh talk about the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, particularly in Surah Al-Fatiha, when he talks about Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Mm-hmm. And he actually explained that there, they, there's two aspects to the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which manifest in those words, mm-hmm. in those names of his. Um, and he talked about how there's this universal love that he has in mercy that mm-hmm. is um, indiscriminate of his, amongst his creation. So we're talking about the fact that the sun rises in the morning as it does and sets in the evening and that the moon exists the fact mm-hmm. that we are able to breathe in oxygen and it exists and it in it and it stays in the state that it does in order for us to survive right. we're talking about the fact that non-muslims people who don't believe in god or do believe in him but have misconceptions misunderstandings about who he is they are able to experience joy happiness uh fulfillment achievement success power Mm -hmm. all so that's that universal there's this universal kind of dispersion of mercy amongst existence amongst Mm -hmm. creation Mm -hmm. that everybody benefits from right and then there was the other aspect of it which was um a mercy that's specific for the believers and that is something that only the believers receive Mm -hmm. that type of mercy and Mm -hmm. i remember him explaining that and thinking like subhanallah like this really kind of uh, explains a lot of people sometimes might look at civilizations, and I know definitely in the past, when we, if you study Islamic history, you'll see uh, instances of where people have seen um, nations or people who were more, I don't know, technologically superior or had more power or intellect or knowledge. They were looked up to as somehow, you know, more enlightened or favoured by the gods as they would understand them at the time. Hmm. Um, but that's not true. Um, exactly. and that Just because you may not have, you know, some type of material success in the world, or maybe you ain't, you're not doing that well in, in life or you don't have money or you, you whatever your situation is, mm-hmm. um, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's not, his love is not determined by physical things in, in the dunya. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just wanted to add that as another layer to this because I think it's important to understand and I think it really helps people mm-hmm. with their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I know that when I've shared some of these things with people, there's brothers that I speak to um, and we'll be talking about things and I'll just share something. Not that I'm a fountain of knowledge or nothing. I'm just saying I just share what I can. Right. <laughs> but, I, you know, when I share these things, I've heard people say, oh, my God, I never, I never thought of it that way. I didn't know that. And I talk about with people knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like really getting to know him um beyond just um accepting that he's the the creator of you like what does that mean like how does that manifest how is he showing up in your life and uh you know when you call to him what does that call sound like and what are your conversations like mm-hmm. uh do you feel anything and do you feel like you receive anything you know all of these things so I just, yeah, I just hope that, you know, this, this helps people because, honestly, the, the mercy and love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, I know this is a cliche, but it's almost indescribable. Like, it's of so hard it to is. put into yep. mm-hmm. words. I yeah, mean, he's, he's pre-eternal. There's no beginning or end to him. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, understanding him in his totality is impossible, but we do know him and we can get to know him by what he's revealed to us. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we just, yeah. I just wanted to share that.
0: <laughs> <And> that's brilliant. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Uh, that's that's very beautiful. So, how about you take us into the last question in today's mm-hmm. episode? Okay. So
1: uh, the last question is: There's a lot of misunderstanding around the topic of self-love and compassion. And when it comes to the matter of SSA, the concept of self-love has become confused with the idea of accepting yourself as gay. How do you address this confusion? Again, it's very, it's on that sort of same theme mm-hmm. that we're seeing through a lot of questions. Right. So, yeah. And it's a very good question and it has many layers, well, the answer has many layers to it. So in one corner, we have the LGBT people who claim that the only way for us to love ourselves is to accept ourselves as quote unquote gay right. and to permit ourselves to have same-sex relationships, regardless of what the you know the religious right have to say about it, mm-hmm. um, love is love. You know, love who you want as long as you're not harming anybody. Um, you know, that that type of rhetoric. Mm-hmm. And the problem with this approach is that it bundles self-love in with the idea of like, the identity. So, as we've been speaking in this uh, in this episode and addressing these questions, like we need to separate these two, and we we need to stop thinking of associating. Self-love and compassion and empathy with the LGBT movement and um, they are universal concepts Again, as I said before we get to choose how we implement them and it's to what degree extent that we go in terms of our, our view and understanding
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, eventually Such people end up moving away from Islam so if you begin to you know, buy into the idea that self-love compassion empathy etc etc are intrinsic to the gay identity and are not you can't find them elsewhere then unfortunately it kind of logically then would suggest that you there's no way for you to live a life where you'll be happy and fulfilled and content with yourself uh, and and the world um, which is not a good thing. So um, I hope that we've driven this home throughout this episode. Inshallah. Um, and on the other corner we have all the strugglers quote-unquote the strugglers uh, who most definitely do not accept themselves as gay but who have fallen into shame self-hatred and in some cases suicidal ideation Um, and this is uh, this also is a very unhealthy way of being so strugglers tend to have a really hard time with the concept of self-love me included uh, because the concept of self-love is so alien to them why should I love myself if I have these impulses surely my whole life should be devoted to crushing these evil desires within myself and others and unfortunately uh, one who is unable to arrive at a place of peace within themselves will tend to find themselves in a state of war. So constantly battling between these two extremes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and many outspoken um, homophobes, quote unquote, uh, also struggle with SSA and secrets.
0: Exactly. Yes. yes
1: right. So yes. they are going on the offensive. They mm-hmm. are full of this anger and rage and, you know, resentment, which is really just self anger, self mm-hmm. resentment at themselves mm-hmm. that they then project onto the world. Mm hmm and they attack the evil that they see outside of themselves, but they can't find any way of resolving it within themselves. And so that war just keeps going and going and going. Right. Mm-hmm. right? And many of us feel that we don't identify with either of these camps. And inshallah, I'm hoping that that's us and the and the listeners. <clears throat> inshallah. And after growth and healing, uh, we have come to a point where we accept our homosexual feelings, but without acting out with individuals of the same sex. So we no longer struggle in the same way because we no longer repress our feelings. Instead of that, we become aware of our feelings and then we become aware of what is beneath my feelings or our feelings rather, and what that represents. And inshallah, there's going to be more on this in the future episodes inshallah. but I touched on this before as well, um you know, when the question was asked about whether it was just about the sexual desires and you know is it really about emotions and things um as we uncover that uh, in in the future episodes as waheed Wahid uncovers that in the future episodes it will be more apparent more clear that there's so much more to this that, that needs to be learned.
2: Indeed. Indeed.
0: And so with this, we have come to the end of today's episode, which was a QA and a episode. Jazakumullah Allah khairan. Thank you so much for everyone who has sent in comments and messages and emails. We really appreciate all of your efforts and we hope that we have addressed uh, your concerns and any comments that you have raised. We we also hope that uh, for a lot of the listeners who have some fears and anxieties when it comes to like, where are we coming from? Or, or you know, if, if they have any issues with, with what we are trying to present, I hope that this... Uh, puts their hearts and minds at ease inshallah Inshallah. i would also like to take this opportunity to thank my wonderful co-host adam you have been amazing in (laughs) today's episode and in the past two episodes and i really look forward to having you inshallah uh, in the future um, as a co-host again
1: yes inshallah i look
0: forward to that um coming back
1: it's been great it's been good it's been wonderful it's been wonderful i hope that for the listeners I really, really, really pray and hope that it's been beneficial. I hope that, Inshallah. you know, I've been able to share some wisdom. I hope that you've been able to see some part of yourself in our, in our stories, mm-hmm. in the struggles that we've had. I hope that they, what we've been talking about for the last two episodes or th- this third one mm-hmm. um, has given you some hope and light and it's taken off some burden if you if you have that. And, you know, we, we're we here, so, you know, just, just hit us up. Like, even though I'm not going to be on every episode, I will, inshallah, be helping behind the scenes um, with Waheed because I'm very, very passionate about this, mm-hmm. um, b- about addressing this topic. So just reach out, and if you have questions, if you I'm have right worries, if you have a particular situation that you need some help with, then please, please reach out because
0: that's what we are here for. Inshallah. And you can, as, as always, you can reach us through our email rainbow at gmail.com. You can access all our episodes on the website awaybeyondthereainbow.buzzsprout.com. And you can listen to us anytime on your favorite podcast apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn Radio. Uh, this has been Wahid Jensen with my dear friend Adam. And I look forward to talking to you next Friday, inshallah, when we talk a little bit about the history and the progression of the gay liberation movement, uh, its effects on pop culture and media, as well as try to uh, understand the notion of gay identity and try to discuss it from an Islamic paradigm, inshallah. Until next Friday, I hope that you have a wonderful week ahead. Assalamu Alaikum, wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.